Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental get squared away physical the podcast that'll help you get squared away and we are here with another week of squared away you guys all just listen to the awesome intro now yeah you probably fast forwarded through the intro everybody listens to this probably so (laughs) sick of the intro physical emotional mental get squared away Oh, unless we got uh, somebody that wants to, you know, create a new one. Oh, right. That would be okay. In update, update the whole thing. Be down. Leave that for the listeners. Right. Get creative. Right. So what's, uh, what, it's going to be 85 degrees tomorrow and it's like crap, 40 degree wet nastiness out here today. Yeah. I don't know if this has got to be the worst spring in Wisconsin, but it's like every other day you go from nice to it feels like Seattle. Tonight feels like Seattle. Next week's supposed to be cold. They're just teasing you. They're teasing us. I don't they're know. They're honey dicking us. That's what they're doing. I'm, I'm thinking that by May, we'll probably have another snowstorm and, you know, everybody's going to suffer from depression. Wife called it last night. She said, we're done with snow. She said, I can start getting the pool ready. She said, we're done with snow. I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. I'd hold off a little bit. Yeah, it might be a little risky. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's green and nasty and it's like, I have to do something. <laughs> like because you sit there with half the water in it and it gets all nasty over the winter and gets green and gross and you got to turn it back on you got to get the filter going you got to get the chemicals in it so it can get nice and clear again oh really yeah but i'm afraid to turn it back on because i don't want anything to freeze up that's right pump yeah. freezes up then i gotta order yeah. then i gotta buy a new pump so what do you do you drop the water uh below the skimmer or something drop and the water b- below the exit so that it can't f- sit in the exit up. and freeze up yeah okay and then now it's all thawed out, getting all yeah. nasty. This is a this is an above ground metal frame pool, so don't everybody that's out there be like, "These motherfuckers got a pool, <laughs> like he's got an in ground pool, he's probably got a pool house." Oh. No, it's uh, an above ground steel frame pool that we yeah. swim in for the summer. Yeah, I'd like a pool, but I'd like one of those. Uh, what do you call those container pools? You ever see those? Yeah, 
Because I think that's the only thing that's going to work my backyard. Because my backyard then is like a ski slope back yeah. there. So yeah, you'd have to be it'd like be a cut weird, it into the hill. Yeah, it'd be a weird situation. Um, a lot, not a lot of guys. I've seen those uh, containers. People try to use them for like underground storage for like their bunkers and stuff. You ever seen that? The problem oh. is the problem is with containers. Yeah, the, they're strong on the four corners where they stack them. Yeah. They're not strong everywhere else. So what happens is is they they backfill them and they start caving in in the center. So I've seen videos of guys that have them as, as their underground like bunker or their underground storage oh. for all their like food stores and stuff like that. Yeah. And as they backfill it, it just slowly starts caving in and then the walls give way. So you have to fill the whole outside with given baskets full of stone and that keep that disperses oh. the the pressure. In well, case anybody out there was going to get a container and try to like that was their that was their whole oh, thing. No. This is a, a, a real thing. Real thing. Pools. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I believe you. Like, uh, there's actually a company. I think Australian. I think they're starting to do it now. Uh, they make actual container pools. There's got to be something that they do to the outside if they're burying it. Um. Yeah, kind of like this. Oh yeah, that looks pretty. They call it, yeah, they call it a container. It's not actually literally. I'm like sure there's, a, I'm sure there's probably concrete poured on the outside of the container. Yeah. They probably frame it up and just use the container on the inside, which yeah. at that point, like, what is the, what is the point? Just pour concrete, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's unique. There's so, it's like, right. Like you get on Pinterest and type in like container, right. Metal container. And they do all sorts of crazy, like container cabins and container mansions and container houses. And, oh, and all the container houses, you know, and it'd be cool if you had, like, if you had access to like a good plasma cutter and you had the time, like, yeah, you could make some cool shit with it. But it's like, man, I don't know if you understand when you get in there, like actually going through the tedium of like cutting a hole and then framing it so that you can actually keep an, an airtight <laughs> door yeah. in that situation. Like this isn't just a quick like cookie cutter oh i'm gonna get my grinder yeah. out and cut a hole and i got a house that, that's why you gotta pay one of these companies that specializes in doing it yeah but why if you want a pool yep that you can you know stick into a area like my backyard you can't yeah you can't put an above ground pool because that thing's gonna be slanted yeah unless you pour concrete or something oh i mean so the the thing is is you still make a flat spot like you still make a flat area that's cut into the, and you just put right. stone down. You're, you're just going to get more real estate. Yeah. So my <laughs> thought here is, is like, yes, it's cool to have a container pool, right? Yeah. But there, what is there a financial savings over just a square concrete pool? That's the same shape as a container. Cause if there's not a financial savings, then there's no reason to do a container pool. No, no I'd have to do the comparison. Yeah. That, and that's, that's where I'm at. Like if, if, it looks cool. Looks neat. You can put pictures on Pinterest. People like, oh my God, Martin's got a container pool. He's so green. So friendly. Oh, that wasn't my thing. It was just how in the world do I get a pool in the back without having to put everything in the front, front of my house, everything's level. So. Yeah. Oh no. You I mean, you still, it's the same thing. You're still going to make a flat area. You know, you're going to dig it out. You're going to put a retaining wall in and you're still going to make a flat area. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether it's a container pool or a above ground pool or an in ground pool or a freaking oh, kiddie pool. Because the listeners want to know what I'm doing in my backyard. Right. And the funny thing is, is like nobody know. like there's a handful of people that know us, but this isn't like it. This is a small residential area with what do you have? Like a third acre lot. Yeah. Like a, when was the house built? Like 90? Exactly. Right. So, so like this is not we're not in a neighborhood that people would normally have like pools other than above ground pools. So that's why this conversation <laughs> is so funny is this is legitimately just like eh? <laughs> You'd yeah. be like the only guy in the neighborhood with an in-ground pool. I know because everybody goes to the uh, the gym. We just I just club. Pool. I just bought the whole uh, the whole summer for the whole fam to go to the pool so we don't have to pay individual times to go like we oh that's we've always right. we've always ever just paid to go oh, okay yeah I, I have the gold membership yeah so your membership is probably like six times as much as mine is because mine's like forty dollars a month <laughs> oh okay yeah mine's a hundred bucks a month yeah um what else let's get off of our personal <laughs> pool our personal plans, love man. for water yeah i'm just trying to figure out a way to have some kind of water you're in florida I know I was in Florida. Tell me, tell me, how was it? You were at the ocean. That's like your, that's your safe space, yeah, right? My safe space. It was uh, 85 and sunny every day. Ugh. And then uh didn't rain until, you know, it was in the Uber on the way to the airport. Perfect. It was like, it was like perfect. Then I came back and walking through the jetway, 
and feel that cold air. It's like, whoa, what happened? And then we got snowed twice last week. Yeah, I know. And all of a sudden everything was green, then it snowed. It melted, everything was green, then it snowed again. It's like this every other day thing going on up here. So, um, And then somebody told me uh, today in the gym, uh, they said, you got to try the Siesta Keys. Have you ever been there? Uh, we've been to the Keys, but not the Siesta Keys. Siesta Keys, I think it's uh, on the Gulf side. Okay. So if you head down to Clearwater and just keep going south. Okay. By Sarasota. Well, I mean, so the Keys... The keys. No, it's not the actual keys. Keys. Oh, it's not the keys. Not keys. The south South. Oh, keys. okay. So they're saying Siesta Keys is like a little vacation area that's a little quieter, but so I don't know so if, nice. if that's similar to like Sanibel. Sanibel Island. Yeah. Um, it could be closer. We've done, I haven't looked we've it up done, yet. We did uh, the island just south of Sanibel, which is awesome because there's no cars or anything. You just you take a shuttle, like a, a water shuttle, over to the island, yeah. and you're like you, that. That's it. You're just on the island. There's golf carts and yeah. there's beach and there's the house that you're staying in. Most of them have pools. That's it. Like there's nothing else. There's no like there's no bars or grocery stores or anything. <laughs> like you have to bring everything with you, and it's Ooh, a really? it's an awesome like shut off the world vacation. Or if you were like a remote worker, right? Like you could work from there. And it would be, you know, be amazing. Oh, Turn yeah. your computer off, go out to the ocean every day. Like, it'd be awesome. Man. Yeah, I know. I, I just, I did the Marriott thing. I had some certificates and points. So, just queued it up. That's it. Did you back, surf? Back in Wisconsin. No. It's no. pretty cold on that side, huh? It was, uh, the wind was uh, up pretty high. Yeah. And, but the problem is the waves are so inconsistent that literally you're not, I mean, people are trying to boogie board. Did you and find a place that rents the wave, the wakeboard, the 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 boogie boards, automatic surfboards, like we were talking about? No. See, that's still a business plan. It's still telling a business you. plan. Let's put yeah, it together. We're renting jet skis, but I mean, it was it was rough. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty windy, and nobody was jet skiing out there. So all that hurts too when you come down off of those big waves on a jet ski. That oh. just it just viscerates through your entire spine. Yeah, I I know it's man. I think it was like uh, last summer or the summer before I. Uh, buddy of mine is, uh, has a place in Lake Wisconsin and we used to jet ski a lot and we were jumping waves cause you know, his dad would, would drive the boat and basically create wake. And we were just jumping it with the, cause they got two jet skis up there. And, uh, I think it was last summer or summer before that it was, it's been a while since I hopped on one and it was just like, I felt the aging. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I came back and uh, his dad's like, oh, don't you want to stay out there? I'm like, uh, my body's feeling it right now. There's, just, you, you, there's not the cushion between the joints. There's not the elasticity. The The ligaments are getting old and they're getting tight. And it's just everything is yeah. just everything is getting there. And, and I like you and I both know there's plenty of things that we could be doing to slow that down with yoga and stuff like that. But oh, just because no. we know doesn't mean we do it. That's right. <laughs> like it's, it's, we're just my time we're just as bad as everybody else yeah. you know we're just a we're 10 percent better than you know than the average and that's that's where it gets us to where we're at we're still not perfect yeah so i mean i hop on a jet ski and now i look like the old guy just kind of like well i'm just gonna take a cruise around the lake on the ski might as well get yourself an old chris craft <laughs> an old wood chris craft yeah i love those things they're gorgeous the old chris the old wood Man. chris craft boats with the inboards dude those things are beautiful with a little flag in the front. Yeah. <laughs> fucking gorgeous. You get out in the... Get yourself you know, an ascot. Well, I'm up, at, I'm up at three in the morning anyways, so I might as well, you know, if I was on a lake, I would be up at 3.30, so I might as well skiff across the glass water over to the, you know, the the preppy coffee shop and get myself a, a nice latte in the morning. Your while derby and uh, plaid, uh, yeah, plaid shirt on. You just white, whited me right up, didn't you? Yeah, I know. You are white. So um, anyway, follow up, follow up from the last podcast. This blood flow restriction training, yeah, loving it. I can train arms and I can train legs three days a week. Oh, really? Yes, it's amazing. I'm 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 whipped the end of the workout, and within 24 to 36 hours of the workout, like my body is ready to go again. So you think you're making some uh, gains? Well, it's only two weeks in, right? So like, I can't. I can say that it feels good. I can say that I feel stronger. But like, it's gonna take a month, two months before I really notice where the gains are. Yeah. You know, and is it gains just gonna be strength, or is the gains gonna be strength and muscle mass? You know, so we'll see where it's at. But it it feels good. It feels like it's. It feels like I'm whipped. But then I'm recovering so much faster, versus that 
extreme nervous system exhaustion that you do from like a heavy leg day. Oh, right. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's four or five days before you're really ready to go again. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, the science is there, you know, it was designed in rehab. So the science is there. It's just whether it works from a, you know, a muscle strength building aspect in, at, at our level. I have to try it out. Um, what else? We got anything else to wrap up with before we get into today's topic? No. What's going on know. in the news? What's well, not going on in the news? I mean, uh, congratulations to CNN for failing. Wait, uh, I thought they, I thought they got bought out and they're going back to the center. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently, between them and MSNBC. Somehow somebody had a great idea thinking that, well, they're going to get more viewership by adding a streaming service. So CNN added uh, CNN Plus. Okay. And I forgot what MSNBC's was. Okay. And uh, so basically they started it roughly about two and a half weeks ago. Okay. And they just announced that they're shutting it down because they have like no viewership. And MSNBC started that and they're shutting it down also because their viewership was at uh, max 10,000. All right, hold on. We got to see this because somebody just told me this week that yeah. CNN got bought out. That was a while ago. How long ago? It says 2022. Uh, I'd probably say a couple months ago when Zucker uh, quit. A couple months ago? Yeah, I guess that'd still be 2022, eh? Yeah. Zucker quit, and I believe uh, Lynch bought it. And- uh, Discovery. Oh, Discovery. Discovery, D-I-S-C-A dot O. So Discovery bought CNN and apparently their big their big move is to take it back to a non-biased center news source with less um, more real news and less. uh, What's the word when they take news and then they write a bullshit story about it? Yeah. Less op ed, more real news, trying to get back to what CNN used to be. Well, guess what? I mean, if CNN wants to really do that, then they got to get rid of Egghead. Brian Stelter. You know, Brian Stelter, the king of disinformation, is who they're using as a spokesperson for conferences that are talking about disinformation. So CNN needs to kind of get their head out of their ass and just start from the beginning instead of trying to add, put ads. This is only a month and a half ago. Okay, yeah. So So roughly about the same time. Yeah. But the problem is what they did instead of trying to fix the infrastructure, they still got this idiot Stelter on and they're having him being paraded around representing CNN, which is the worst. And then they thought, oh, it's a great idea. Let's uh, open up CNN Plus. And then that bombed after about two and a half weeks. I mean, it wasn't even two and a half weeks. It bombed almost immediately. So now they decided, okay, that's not going to work. So we're going to scrap that idea. And then MSNBC did the same thing. Try to follow suit saying, oh, well, if it was streaming service, people are going to be interested in that. And nationwide, they had said no more than 10,000 people follow that. So, yeah, these guys are. Warner Media's parent company, AT&T, officially closed a $43 billion transaction to, to combine Warner Media with Discovery, Warner Brothers, CNN, and HBO. Yeah, and their little uh, birthing project was CNN+. Plus. Well, so there you don't put you don't put together a streaming service in six weeks. So my guess is I'm gonna I'm gonna stick up for CNN this time, which I barely I barely ever do, <laughs> but I'm going Go to. Go for it. You do not put a streaming service together in six weeks. You don't. So this was in the works before they were bought out. Yeah. So this was in the works, right? They were bought out. It was all the all the front work had to have been done. So I'm sure what happened, you and I would do the same thing if we bought them out and this was already that far along. You would go, well, let's see. Right. Because all you all the investments already done. Yeah. It's just got to go live. It went live and they're like, well, this is not right. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it again the right way. But first, we got to build the viewership back up. So that's probably why they shut it down. Because you don't. it's already you don't have the reputation built back up. Yeah. To actually do this. Well, but there's there's room there. There's room there for a non-biased center news source. Yeah. Right? Like Fox 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 discovered 20 years ago that there was room for a right-leaning news source because there wasn't one. And they capitalized the shit out of it. They became oh, Fox yeah. News, right? Like they became what Fox News is today because that market oh, yeah. was untapped. 
So now the next untapped market is that center news source. But are you going to be able to do that center news source in today's media world? Because are you trying to rebuild something that people are going away from anyways, right? Are you trying to make a better horse and buggy when the car has already come out? Yeah. I mean, how many people uh, really want to get out of their echo chambers? But the thing is with CNN is, uh, yeah, whether they had that in play or not, it's like, well, the problem is the content. The content sucks. Yeah. So if you're going to create another avenue just to put out garbage content, because what people aren't listening. I mean, CNN's viewership in general is just basically dive bombed. And now you're going to put out thinking you're going to get more viewership, putting that same crap on some other channel. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no. So they, they need to go back to the they need to go back to the beginning. Yeah, and they need to, content, re, they need to rebuild. They need to rebuild from the ground up before they look at how many more how they're trying to get it out to people. Right. You don't yeah. just rebuild getting it out to people if you don't have shit. I mean, what doesn't matter how much money you, you throw in front of, a you know, yeah. it doesn't matter how many newspapers you send to houses for free to get people to buy newspapers. It has to be entertaining. Yeah. It just tells you about the leadership, you know, thinking it's like, okay, so your content's crap and the people that represent CNN, the faces of CNN are complete garbage. And, you know, they got rid of Cuomo, who's a complete moron anyway. They still got Lemon and Stelter as their front people. And then they, what they do to try to freshen that up? They get the old guy from Fox News, uh, Chris, what's his name? Uh, the guy that completely botched up the... Uh, Wallace. Um, yeah, Chris yeah. Wallace botched up the debate. Yeah. And they got him as their front man. I mean, really? So you got the right guy coming in trying to perpetuate the same, you know, garbage content that you have. Why don't they just change the content, get some fresh faces in there? Yeah, go back to square one, rebuild it. That's what they got. Rebuild it do. with people that are not are that don't already have a reputation. Yeah. Build up build up the talent with the with the new source, not build the new source off the talent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same with MSNBC. I mean, if they did the same thing, you know, I mean, we might have some, you know, better news options, but I think so many people have left, have gone with independent news. That'd be really hard too, because the only people you have left, you are going to alienate because the only people you have left, if you're CNN are the people that are in your complete echo chamber and all they want to hear is that old news source. So you're going to go from, you know, your 10,000 a week viewership. You're going to piss all 10,000 of those people off to try to reinvent yourself and grow back to a million a week. Yeah. But you're going to piss every one of those 10,000 off first. Yeah. How are you going to attract anybody? That's a ballsy move. I don't know. I mean, you would think it's almost better to scrap MSNBC and then bring it up as something completely different. Yeah. But, But then what, why don't you just build something from scratch? Yeah. What's what's there? You really don't have anything. Right. I don't know. I mean, you got some infrastructure you can work with. That's yeah. about it. But is it even make sense to rebuild cable news a- at all? I don't know. I don't know. Or do you re- or do you just come, you know, do you just walk away from cable and rebuild something that's not MS or not CNN plus, but it's literally just new news streaming app? Yeah. I don't know. We should ask uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, he's going to buy Twitter. <laughs> is he? I don't think it, I don't think the deal will ever go through. But man, it's hilarious to see the fucking the ridiculousness of people that are outraged because somebody's going to come in and open up free speech on yeah. Twitter, like they're losing their minds. Not because somebody's going to close down speech. Not because somebody's going to come in and 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 take over a company and stop people from saying what they want to say. But they're going to come in and open it up. Yeah. But they're not advertising it's ad. They're saying that he's coming in to control free speech. No, he's going to come in and just let people do it, which it's going to turn into porn and dick jokes again. I mean, that's what that's what Twitter was before they started cracking down was like the problem with the problem with that is like you have to have some sort of regulation or it just turns to trash. Right. But not the type of regulation they have now. Correct. But I, I can see why Musk didn't just, you know, when he had alluded to prior to all this, you know, buying Twitter, I think he was trying to loot and people were thinking he was just going to start his own. But you already have the infrastructure of Twitter. And hundreds you know, of millions of people that use it. Yeah. So why, you know, completely rebuild and try to market it up and debug? It's like, well, use something that already works. Buy or, it or follow me here. Uh-oh. Or did Elon Musk buy 
100, 200 million dollars worth of Twitter prior to that tweet and then tweet that he's going to buy Twitter and then it goes up 300% because I think it did. Yeah. And then he sold out and just made 600 million dollars in a week. I don't think he's that shallow. But I think it was a, uh, you know, I don't think it was stupid to overlook that. But I think he has, a, you know, an agenda that he wants to, you know, bring back free speech. So I don't know. We'll see. When does when does he? So you remember the quote? Um, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You know that quote? That's from Batman Begins. Yeah. Well, it, but it's real. Like if you yeah. think about it, it's like it, it's legit. Yeah. So when does he turn to a villain? Because he's going to. I don't know. I mean, are you talking about an actual villain or what the media is? No, no, no. I think that I think that eventually, eventually, somebody with his intelligence and his mindset eventually gets frustrated to the point that he turns. Oh, that he turns. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, well, if you look at the whole Trump, uh, you know, beginning to end, they turned him into a villain. Yeah. Pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Villain is a villain is a, a, a term that could it totally depends on what side you're on. Right. Yeah. Like the villain from Die Hard where he's going to like or, or, or let's take a real let's let's get away from movies. Let's take, you know, Ted Kaczynski. Right. Yeah. Like you read the Unabomber's manifesto and it makes sense. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's fucked up that it makes sense, but it makes sense. Yeah. Well, I suppose, I mean, you got right now, current news would be uh, Julian Assange. Yeah. I mean, wasn't he doing his job revealing uh, what the powers that be are doing? Yeah. But now they're extraditing him and bringing him back basically to pretty much execute the guy. Oh, yeah. He's done. His life is over. I mean, it's been over for a long time. He's been hidden in a, in a what, a Swedish safe house, basically. Yeah. But isn't that a journalist's real job to do what? He was supposed to be doing. Oh, you'd think so. It's not like he unearthed everything. I mean, he had sources that unearthed yeah. everything, but he's basically the fall guy now. Yeah. So. But until, until the masses rise up and say no, they're gonna they're gonna pistol whip every single person that stands up. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like Obama had a a huge part, not a huge part, a part of his entire running platform was l- opening up for whistleblowers was was allowing whistleblowers to come forward and and that immediately went away after he got into office like that part you couldn't even find that part on <laughs> on the on the change website yeah oh right because you're gonna you're gonna pistol whip whoever stands up yep to try to get everybody else to not want to stand up yeah and we talked about it with rogan right like rogan's rogan's scared Rogan's so? scared shitless. Yes, hundred percent. You can hear it in his, you can hear it in his voice. You can, you can, you can f- pick it up in his talk when he was talking. And I think I talked about this last week when he was talking to whoever he was talking to, and they were like, "Yeah, the haha, the joke about Donald Trump coming on the podcast." And he goes, "Yeah, I wouldn't have him on." Yeah. And the guy goes, "Wait, wait why? I don't why? understand that. What? Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make. I don't want to change the world. I just want to watch." No, you're fucking scared shitless. Yeah. So what's a big deal if he has Trump on or not? Right. Who are you going to piss off? Right. Yeah, that's he's scared. And 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 I don't respect that. Yeah. He's he's the masses. The masses of you know the the liberal left stood up and and started slapping him, and basically now it's to the point where it's like, oh, okay, well I'm not going to stand up again. I'm not going to just walk into my own beating again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's going to stand up. I, I, don't, I, don't, I thought Rogan would be the guy, but anyway. Hey, there's a paycheck. That's a big fucking paycheck. That's a big, big paycheck to, I don't know about walk away from. I, you know, who knows how his, who knows how his contract is, is worded, but I'm guessing there's not just an escape clause where he can go back to doing his own podcast on his own again. Yeah, but somebody else would pick him up. Daily Wire would pick him up. I'm guessing that you, he can't. If you were going to write that, if you were going to write that contract, yeah, right, and you were Spotify, you were going to write that contract. Would you would you let that contract go through where he can just walk away and do another podcast somewhere else? Oh, there's got to be a breach of a uh, contract somewhere in there. Yeah. So, I don't know if they terminate the contract, then it should be free to go. Well, yeah, I guess it, 
that would be years with lawyers. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty sad. Okay. We solved all the world's problems. Let's, uh, I'm going to open up with one quick story and then I'm going to let you take off because you did a lot of the, you did a lot of the research on this one, but this is one of the most amazing stories and you handed me his book. Um, and I added it to my list, but Tony, Tony Dungy, the, uh, the legendary coach, he, he opens up, uh, I think it was a talk or a, a YouTube video or something. And he opens up and he, and he tells this story. And it was the, the Thursday before one of his last playoff games as a coach. And he got asked if he could do a film, a public service announcement for a homeless shelter in Indianapolis. Right. And so he had to leave 20 minutes early from practice. No big deal. Just 20 minutes early, left 20 minutes early, went down. He filmed this, this, uh, public service announcement for this homeless shelter. And then that weekend they were in their playoff game and they lost by four points last minute, four points to the Patriots. And I believe the Patriots went on and won the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. So for a year and a half, he, he, he had this doubt in his mind. It, It ground into him a little bit. Like, is there something I could have seen in that last 20 minutes. Like if I would have stayed, if I wouldn't have left practice early, right? Because the people at this upper echelon, like every little bit counts, you know? And he's like, was it, could I have seen something, you know, some one guy ran a route wrong or, you know, another guy was doing something else wrong. Is there something I could have corrected in that 20 minutes that would have saved us? Cause this is last season. That's a big fucking deal, right? Like yeah. he's, he's going to retire. And so it, it, it irked him. Right. And a year and a half later, a year later, it comes up and, and he's about to walk out on stage to do his press conference for his retirement. And he gets handed a letter. It was actually the last piece of mail that he ever received as a head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And he opens this letter. And it was a letter from a woman who writes, I saw your public service announcement two years ago. Because of that announcement, me and my husband went to the village's homeless shelter and we met the most amazing 11-year-old boy. We adopted him and he completed our family. And like, just saying that, like he brings like tingles to my, to my arms. And Tony goes that right there, no matter all the success that I've had in my life, that right there is the difference between success and significance. That moment that I got that letter, I knew that I did something significant. Didn't matter that we lost the game. Didn't matter that we lost the Super Bowl. That was what mattered. Yeah. And that's what today's podcast is about is success versus significance or success transitioning into significance. Absolutely. So I think we should start with the web definition. So if everybody did the old Google or Brave or, you know, DuckDuckGo, whatever you want to use. <laughs> um, on the web, success is consuming existing knowledge, data and news for your benefit. And significance is doing something newsworthy and creating knowledge that others can benefit from. Right there. It's right. It's, it's right there in your, in your comparison, you versus everyone else. Or others. Yep. And, uh, I like the quote, probably the best quote that I've heard about success is successful people are not always significant, but significant people are always successful. And that's by, uh, John Maxwell, who's, does great books on leadership. Um, I think that compares to like uh, what, what we see in Hollywood. There's a lot of successful people in Hollywood. Yep. But a lot of them are just, you know, a bunch of POSs. And, you know, they're they're insignificant and they're not people that your children should really look up to. Um, yeah, let's roll into, uh, let's talk about successful people. Uh, people project success to establish confidence in themselves or in what they are attempting to represent. No one likes to be a failure. No one desires to be a failure, but they're projecting success because they want other people to put them up on a pedestal. Correct. Yeah. Success is about them. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And success is not about self-esteem. That's a whole different. Yeah. Some people, some people get, their confidence from their success, but 
success isn't necessarily have anything to do with self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I can agree with that. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is projecting success through other things like houses, you know, oh, we got to have a big house because it projects that what you're successful, wealthy, right? Um, we got to have certain cars. So we always talk about, you know, um, having materials or, you know, materials have you while well, cars is, is huge. I've noticed that in the Midwest, right? You go to a, a small town, you grew up in a small town, Wisconsin, right? Oh yeah. So a lot of people, your, your bankroll is probably pretty even, you know, for families. So what separates everybody? The car that you drive, right? Yeah. So if you, if you roll in with a Lambo, what everybody looks at you and be like, oh, he must be successful, right? Um, titles careers you know we all go to the parties and you know not just parties get together i'm at the age where i get together yeah we, we don't party anymore we're too old to party um and what do people ask you the first thing is okay what do you do for a living what's your title what's your career and a lot of people embellish it you know some people have really you know really creative ones i mean what's one i heard oh i used to when i used to pump shit i was a human sanitation engineer Oh, that's right. I, was, I forgot about that. Well, I mean, that, that was just funny, right? Like, I, yeah. I literally drove a pump truck and pumped human feces out of septic tanks and portable toilets. Yeah. I was a human sanitation engineer. Yeah. And and what's the, I think, secretary has now evolved into what? Office administrator. Yeah, administrative. Yeah. Now you don't even use assistant, assistant anymore yeah, because yeah, assistant is like a negative term. Yeah. Or you got to tag something with executive or C-level or something. It's... Yeah, it's what people talk about. And some people, it's clothes. I've seen, you know, people that are pretty much on welfare have all the name brand clothes. I don't know how that works, but it's, you know, just take a stroll through Walmart one night. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a, it's painting on things that you don't feel inside a lot of times. You know, it's, it's painting on... Um, an exterior, a shiny exterior onto, you know, a damaged soul where realistically we're all damaged. Like we're all, we're all fucked up. We're all a little fucked up. We all got our issues. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need a, I don't need to, I don't need to sugarcoat that. I don't need to shine that up and, and put it out there. And a lot of people, I think it's, you know, for us to do this, for us to talk about this, especially with success, which we've done a whole podcast on success and it was a great podcast. I think that we, I think that we, we dug into success and we dug into what the, what your definition of success should be. Um, but there's going to be a million different reasons, right? That somebody, that somebody does this stuff. And I think for some people, it's just, it's literally a justification of themselves because they get up at six 30 in the morning and they get ready and they eat breakfast and then they go to work and they start work, you know, seven 30, eight o'clock and they work until noon. They take a half hour lunch. A lot of people work right through their lunch. They work until four or five and then they come home. You know, by the time they get home, it's five 30, six o'clock. They see their kids for two, three hours, and then they go to bed, right? So out of that day, out of that day, they've slept six, seven hours. They've done some personal hygiene. They've fed their foot. They've fed their face for maybe two hours. They've worked for eight, eight fucking hours, right? Yeah. And then they've hung out with their family for three. Yeah. They're giving a, a, th- a third of their life to someone else. And this is their, and and they need to justify that. They need to justify that to themselves so that they don't feel as shitty as it sounds when I explain it like that. Yeah. But they got to get it in their head that it's, you know, it's a means to an end, right? So it's how you provide for a family. If you put that in your head versus uh, I need to somehow make it significant for myself to be successful, which those two words don't even. And so, you know, those two words don't go together. But at that point in time, at that point in time, there's probably a lot of people that would not be doing the job that they're doing if it literally just meant providing for their family. Because what does providing for your family mean? Right. You're going to put a roof over their head. Yeah. Clothes on their back. They're going to feel safe. They're going to have a full belly. They're not going to worry about if they can go to the doctor because you can. Can you cover the bill? Right. Yeah. That doesn't take one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. That doesn't take $250,000 a year. Right. It doesn't. So if you're killing yourself and you're giving yourself anxiety every day and you have to drink when you get home to numb the pain from the day. Yeah. Right. So, so what are you going to do? Are you going to walk away from that money or are you going to use that money to get 
right? So I, let's say I traded, well, let's say, let's say person A makes $250,000 a year, right? Right. So after taxes, after expenses, they take home what, 150,000 about after taxes off a $250,000 income? Yeah. It's a pretty high tax, say, yeah. pretty high tax bracket. I think it's something like that. Like it's, I'm, I'm definitely not in that tax bracket. Um, so $150,000 a year, three months of your life would be 50, four, four months of your life would be 50 grand, right? Yeah. So we're going to take, we're going to trade, we're going to trade four months of our life. No, that you can't, I can't even use this example because a, a new Tahoe is $80,000 now. So we're going to trade five and a half months of our life yeah. for a fucking car. That's not to pay any other bills. <laughs> that's not to pay. Other, that's, that's to get in the thing that you drive to and from the place that you hate. So if we took this back to literally just the significance of providing for your family. Yeah. There's a lot of people that, that would, would have to, when they came to grips with the emotional fact that they are what they're doing, they would have to walk away from their job. Yeah. I mean, I would have to agree with that. But, you know, you have to look at it's you're providing a standard of living for your family as well. But you have to look at, OK, I'm providing a standard of living for not just myself, but for my family. But I also see that there's a lot of people that, well, I'm using that those resources that I'm working my ass off from dusk till dawn. Dawn till dusk. Well. Depending on what shift you work, I guess. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and they're using it to buy things to project themselves. And the worst thing that contributes to that is social media. Yeah. Because now you, instead of just houses that, you know, see people post or, you know, these massive home projects that they post or, oh, I bought a new car. Or, look at my car or look at uh, the trips. Now you add all the trips that everybody takes, right? Yep. And we talked about that before, you know, all the. I mean, you took a 20-some-hour drive down to Florida. Yeah. yeah. I drove with four people in the car for 20 hours so that I could save a few thousand dollars yeah. on travel. So if you posted on that vacation, you would have just posted, oh, well, here's, here's the wonderful time, you know, getting on the ride. You know, you didn't take any pictures while you're in the hour and 15-minute, you know, line waiting for that. You didn't take any pictures of everybody, you know, snoozing and driving. And yeah, you're only sharing your highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't share shit, so I'm not sharing anything. But yes, most people are only sharing their highlight reel. But that is their success platform that they're using to justify. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, been kind of one of the probably the worst avenues and the worst vehicles that have been used. Um, You know, few few people desire to see themselves as weak, incapable, poor or, you know, quote, unsuccessful. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're on with your old. High school people. I don't. I don't. Oh, go right. to you're going to a reunion. You're going to a reunion, and you're like, "Well, what do you do? Well, you know, I fucking hate my life. Uh, I'm pretty sure my <laughs> wife doesn't like me because I come home and get hammered every night because I hate my boss. I don't know if my kids even really know who I am. Yeah, and I got that rusty Toyota Camry in the back, and uh, yeah. it's got three hundred thousand miles on there, and I hate my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So we we always have to project. You know, with success, but with significance that, you know, we never really talked about before. We always talk about, well, how do you justify success? Significance is people can project success, but you cannot project significance at all. Nope. And I think that's where, you know, anybody wants to read the book, uh, Quiet Strength by Tony Dungy is, is an awesome book. I've lent that out quite a bit. And he just talks about how to, you know, have a significant life versus a quote, successful life and this is from a guy that actually you know has been in the nfl has been successful he's still on uh i believe he's on the uh, nbc uh you know pro football commentaries so um significance can't be faked uh we can feel significant uh we know it's tangible effect and it lasts um but you know people don't look to be who are significant don't look to be successful they look to become just significant what kind of impact are they making for everyone else um and like we talk about being significant isn't about us it's about how effective or what kind of impact are we doing with whatever we do um significance is never about one person or one thing it always involves purpose 
and leads to meaning in life and depth of perspective. And that goes to where there, you know, from the Christian side, there, there's a... There's hey, a, I have a parable here in my notes, mister. <laughs> I put a parable. Oh, this is the first parable from put, the huh? Bible. Is it the Bible? Is that where parables are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I have put in my notes ever. Yeah. So parables are what Jesus used as stories to help people understand the meaning of something. Some would say the whole Bible is a parable, but I'm that's just somebody not in this room. Okay. Um, it's funny that you had a John Maxwell quote here because I also have a John Maxwell quote here. Really? Is it the same quote? With success, my motives may be selfish. Oh, yeah. They don't have to be, but they may. There's the possibility for my motives, for the reason that I'm doing something, to be selfish. With significance, my motives cannot be selfish. Significance and selfishness are incompatible. So it is, it is, I was talking to my wife about this this morning. It is me knowing that my self-control doesn't come when we're at Culver's and the kids are getting ice cream and I'm not getting ice cream, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, my, my self-control comes with like, no, I'm not coming with, well, you guys go get ice cream. That's where my self-control is at. No, I'm not buying the cookies and having them in the house, right? Like I know myself. Yeah. That's where this comes in is with significance. There's no possibility if my if I'm driving towards being significant, there's no possibility that my motives and my actions can be selfish with success. There's always that possibility. Yeah. And, well, you know, going back to the parable of the sower, the sower, not the sewer. So, so, sewer, 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 S-O-W-E-R, sower, because we're sowing seeds. Yeah. So, so Matthew 13 starts off with, so it's got like three parables there, but the first parable is the parable of the sower where uh, it says a farmer goes out to sow a seed. And as he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path and then the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Uh, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed did fall on good soil where it produced a crop of 160, 30 times what was sown. Yes. So. Where's the meaning? At? You, t- I know the meaning in it. Tell me where what you pull out of the meaning of that so, parable. What I pull out of the meaning is when you talk to people about success and significance, um, Everybody will say, well, I like planting seeds, you know, well, they'll tell me, well, this is, I signed up to do this because I'm just planting seeds. Well, when you're, when you're trying to be significant, there is no end goal. There's, there's no saying that, well, I'm going to volunteer this much. And when I volunteer this much, I expect all these results to happen. I expect that everybody that I touch, you know, their lives change immediately. Well, when you live a life of significance, you know what, you're going to be planting seeds, and guess what? Some people aren't going to take it. Some people reject it, and that's okay. Just keep planting seeds, right? You may not see. It's kind of like what we talk about the, the Tony Dungy story, right? Um, while he was trying to prepare for a Super Bowl, and he just went to you know help the at the shelter, but he didn't know what the result was going to no, be. He didn't do that for the reason, yeah. And he didn't find out until way later that wow, you know, guess what? That one of those seeds blossomed into a result. And he may not have been the only one planting a seed. He might have helped plant a seed. Somebody else nurtured it. I mean, that's what living a life of significance is, is even like this podcast. You know, we may just spark a little idea or just plant a seed in somebody's mind that maybe down the road somebody else fertilizes or, you know, puts another idea saying, hey, and then uh, have you heard about this, you know, subject? And then they're like, oh, yeah, I heard that on a podcast. Uh, couple weeks ago and they may hear three or four or five more people down the road and finally when it hits them it changes their life you know their life right yeah. so you know and that's that's the parable to the sower is just guess what you're going to be planting seeds in your life if your life is focused on building other people and adding value to other people you know what you there may be a crop at the end you may see it you may not see it you may be dead and you may be a picasso and all of a sudden everything you've done blossoms after you're dead but it doesn't matter. You know, you've lived a life of being significant, you know, somewhere in that time frame. I like that. I didn't pull this out as the parable of 
me in the story, I was not the sower. Okay. So that I like where I like where you put that is, is you are the sower and you're going to sow a ton of different seeds. And if you're sowing seeds, some of those times, you know, some of these conversations that we have are going to, are going to fall on their face and, or somebody's going to listen and it's not going to hit, but we're doing this out of significance. We're doing this out of, uh, out of positive, um, trying to make a positive impact on the world. And some of those seeds are going to hit in good soil and they're going to pay off 40, 50, hundred times what we have put in. And, and we're just trying to, we're just trying to help. Right. Yeah. So where I put myself in the parable of the sower was a seed. I was a seed. And there's so many different seeds that have been sown, but my job is to take what I have been given and try to multiply it a hundredfold or a hundred X in the world. And we clearly have this, this, Oh wow. That was really arrogant for me to say. We clearly have this gift, Martin, this podcast, (laughs) we are gifted. We are intelligent, masculine, muscular men that know so much about everything that we need to share it with everybody. That is that sounds super dicky, but we have something between us. There's there's a gift that we've been given where we are very broad based in our knowledge and we love sharing it with people. Right. So that that is our seed. It is our job to try to multiply that seed 10x. But if you took us and you put us like let's say we wanted to leave, lead a life of significance and you wanted to help the church, right? And they said, Martin, come in, help. We have this perfect opening. The lady just left. What I need you to do is I need you to glue these chairs back together. They break. We do all these meetings and these chairs break. We got a lot of big people. We need you to glue these chairs back together. That would help. It would help the church, right? It would. Yeah. But is that using, is that, is that, are you going to get 10 X out of that? Are you, are they using you to your fullest? No, absolutely not. Martin is a VP of operations or something with operations. And he's been in the operations world his whole life. He's going to be able to help that church a thousand times more by helping them with anything on that end than just gluing chairs together. That was where I took this is if you are going to try to lead a life of significance, first, you need to figure out where your seed is at. First, you need to figure out what what gifts have you been given in what gifts have I been given by the universe and what gifts have you been given by God? And then we're going to take those gifts and we're going to use those gifts to lead a life of significance. And that's where we're at with this podcast. That is every time I yeah. come here, every time I share it with somebody, every time I upload it, I'm like I the the thought of five people hearing it and then improving their lives is like, I fucking love it. I love it. Yeah. Wow. That's a different take on the, uh, like I said, with the parables, you can take a lot out of it. That's what you get when somebody that reads it, that wasn't told how to listen to it, wasn't told how to hear it. They just got it. And then they got to take from it what they got. Yeah. And, and even if, uh, you know, going back to the parable, even if you're not the guy sowing the seed, um, you have to look at yourself as the soil. I mean, are you good soil or are you somebody that's just so hard headed and that your life isn't squared away? A lot of people that aren't squared away aren't ready to basically no. be significant. No, that seed might sit there for years. Yeah, because anything that you tell them or any information or any research that's done, they don't want to hear it because guess what? Their mind is already made up as to this is their standard and this is their truth. So they're the rocky soil. Yeah. So, you know, you get that from people. How many, how many ask holes do you know? You know what ask hole is, right? Uh, The first time I heard it is. Oh, this is the first time you've heard it. Oh, this is, this is a great term. An ask hole. Yeah. A S K H O L E. An ask hole is somebody that asks you, but absolutely does not want an answer that does not agree with what they have. (laughs) So they're asking for, so like somebody that comes up to you and they're like, Man, your shoulders are huge. What kind of workouts do you do? Like, well, I do this and this. Oh, I do this. Motherfucker, why'd you just walk up to me and ask me if you wanted to just tell me what you do? Oh, man. That's an asshole. 
Wow. I wish I'd have really known that. Used to get in arguments with, uh, you know, with somebody. And, uh, you know, most of it is this person you know, was in my life was somebody that would always ask a question and give me the answer. Right. Asshole. So ask me a question. So that that person's an asshole. an asshole. Yep. Okay. Um, for success, we ask, how can we add value to ourselves? Right. That's what success is all about. How can I make more money? How can I take more vacations? How can I get a bigger house, a bigger car, hand more money down to my kids? Right. So that's a yeah. weird one because you're what is what is the big the big thing? Your your legacy. Yeah. What is, you know, what legacy am I leaving? Well, legacy is not just giving, giving your kids a fucking checkbook. Go give your kid a thousand bucks right now and see how that works. Yeah. Okay. So a thousand dollars, let's say you make a hundred dollars an hour. You're a big, you're a big shot. You make a hundred dollars an hour. Give your kid a thousand bucks, see what happens. And then give your kid 10 uninterrupted hours of your time. That's a hundred dollars an hour and see which one pays off more. Yeah. That's what a legacy is about. Legacy is not about money. Sorry, totally. I got on a by a, a no, total sidetrack on that one. But I hear people. It, it's this, it's this weird thing in the business world where it's like these legacy speakers, and it's like, what is going to be my legacy? And so many people. It's all about leaving money to your kids. The fuck, do, your kids don't need money. Like, right. what you, you, you teach them, to make them into grown adults, make them into good people. Yeah, they don't need money. Yeah. It's it goes back to that you know. Do you want to give somebody a fish or do you want to teach them how to fish? But man, it's so much easier to be selfish and work your ass off and then just write a check when you die. <laughs> it's easy, isn't it? It's selfish, and so yeah. that for success, you ask how you can add value to yourself. To be significant, the question is always: How can I add value to the world? How yeah. can I add value to others? Yeah, I got to. Okay, so this is my Asian quote. So I made this up, but I always think of Qinghai Bing Bong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I I had to. Oh man, now now we're gonna have people. Yeah, we're told. Um, yeah, we're fucking. We're pulled off the we're air now. now. So uh, I always think to myself, success is only to impress. Significance is to impact. So, if if your life is about just you know success. I want to be successful. I want to be successful. Guess what? Then all you're focused on is trying to impress other people. And guess what? Most people aren't going to be impressed. But if you really just focus on being significant, you know what? Guess what? You're going to make an impact. An impact most of the time, you're not even going to know. You know, you might, like you said, you might get somebody that just DMs you and be like, oh, you know what? This made such a difference in my life. Or you could be on your deathbed or, you know, at your funeral, somebody say, wow, this person really, you know, what they said or what they did for me that one day. I remember that. So I love I got I got this great story about that. And I and it's it's a dumb story. It really is stupid. But I love I, it's a great story. Oh, so those those Matrix bikes that have the, 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 oh, the, the monitor, the, seat falls off? the monitor. On, no, this isn't the seat. Oh, fall off. No, 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 okay. so, no, 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 no. So. They have a monitor on them and it's like, a. am sure it's the same as a Peloton. I've just never ridden a Peloton and the gym has the matrix bikes, right? Peloton sucks. Yeah. Matrix bikes are cool. I'm I don't biased. Know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so it's got, and, and it's got a program on it called a sprint eight, which is not that that's not unique to this program. A sprint eight is basically just a warm up, and then eight rounds of 30 seconds as absolute hard as you can go. And a minute and a half of recovery, eight rounds of that. And then a two minute cool down. And what, the science behind this is is it like it actually increases HGH. It increases your body's own human growth hormone. Plus, it's like a 45-minute to hour cardiovascular workout in 20 minutes. It's great. Anyways, so I murder this bike. I mean, I absolutely kill myself on this thing. Like, when I get done, I feel like I might die for at least an hour or two. And then finally, like, the clouds start to part and I feel better after that workout. But that first hour after that, like, I'm sick. I'm, like, walking down the stairs like I'd have never walked before like a little baby giraffe legs wow. right so i kill this bike well it, i'm sure it's obnoxious i have headphones in but i am like it's wild like i i'm murdering this thing and i'm in the locker room one day and this bigger dude comes up to me and he goes man you are killing it and i was like oh thanks man like i just you know it's funny whatever like and he goes no no like 
what I was doing for my workout is every time you'd go hard, I'd go hard. And he was on an elliptical behind me. And I didn't know it. I had no idea anybody was even watching. He's like, every time you'd go hard, I'd go hard. And then I'd relax when you were relaxed. And I just, I knew I was getting a good workout if I was doing that. (laughs) And that like, that was awesome to hear. Like that was, I didn't mean to do that, but it was cool. Like I would, I added value to his life just by, you know, just by doing, doing me. Yeah. No, that that's unique. Yeah. And he actually came up to me and told me, right? Like that was, that was pretty cool. Wow. And if you guys ever want to whip your own ass, get one of those bikes or find one at the gym. If you beat 11 on intermediate on the sprint eight. If you beat 1196 or 1198, you got to send me a DM because that's my highest score ever is 1198. And I was like legitimately almost died. Wow. And that's the thing is it gives you a score. So you have a number to beat. So like I'm sitting there in between the last two rounds, adding up my score on my phone. So I know like how absolutely hard I'm going to have to murder it to get the highest score. (laughs) That's what screws me is like your own number to beat yourself. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Well, I'll just have to try cardio in general. The first time I sent it to a friend, he goes, wait, those rounds go over 100? Because my rounds are between 130 and 160. And he just thought 100 was the max. So he was just going to get 100 every time he round. Really? Yeah. See, what you just told me is all Greek to me. Yeah. See? So I'm just going to have to try it. Yeah. You're going to have to go try it. Here, we'll do it together. (laughs) Oh, great. We'll do it together. Oh, You'll die. See, cardio for me is doing a lot of reps really fast. Oh, shut up. That's the biggest <laughs> fucking weightlifter joke. I just lift faster. Exactly. Uh, faster and more reps. So nope. We're going to do it. I'm putting you on that bike. Oh, You're going to walk out of there bike. like little baby chicken legs. Oh, I don't know if I can walk. <laughs> and the thing is, is it's upstairs at the gym. So you have to come down the stairs with those legs. Oh, really? Just so you can hold on to the railing when you take the first step. I okay. promise. All right. Let's get back to city. We're, we're at, we're at 59 minutes already. So what else do we want to get out of, out of here? Uh, I think there's a nice quote, uh, Michael Josephson, uh, there's a website, uh, charactercounts.com, uh, talks about the difference between success and significance. I, he puts it as the irony is that living a life focused on the pursuit of significance is so much more gratifying than one devoted to the treadmill of success. Yeah, whatever sacrifices are involved tend to enlarge rather than diminish personal satisfaction. So quite simply, it feels good, really, really good to be valued and valuable. Yeah, I 100% agree. That that treadmill of success, um, you guys pause the podcast and, and uh, Google hedonic adaptation. And that's a, that's kind of what the treadmill of success is. It's, it's, oh fuck, I'll just tell you, you don't have to Google it. Um, basically every time you get something hedonistic, whether it's sex or a car or whatever, then you, you get adapted to that thing and it's just normal again. And then you have to get something more bigger, newer. And that's the hedonic habitation that, that, that is the, the treadmill of success. Um, uh, the book that I, the book that I read for this was called halftime which was a little tough for me because it's extremely churchy. So I had to keep an open <laughs> mind. Oh my God, it's so churchy. But what it was <laughs> is it was it was a gentleman who had a really, you know, hard driving first half of his life and figured out that the money just doesn't do it, which I think yeah. so many people, you either you either die unhappy. Yeah. Or you find out that it really wasn't what you thought it was. And then it's it's called halftime, right? And it's and it's learning learning what your strengths are, learning how you can become significant. And it doesn't happen overnight and it has to be engineered. Like you have to give yourself time without a phone, without distractions. You know, every Friday, every Friday afternoon, you know, I'm just going to go sit at the park and I'm going to think or whatever it is. And that is, that is your halftime. And that is your time where you're, you're learning what, what really, what means the most to you and what you can help with. If you're somebody who really, you know, really loves, really loves youth and wants to really change the world. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a boys and girls club. Maybe it's trying to figure out how to, you know, fix parks. Maybe it's, you know, trying to help kids plant gardens in inner cities, whatever that is. And it's, it's, it's that significance and learning what, what you're going to get out of it. That's what you can give to be significant. Because if you literally are just, I'm not a gardener, right? Like I'm, I'm, I tried, I'm not good at it. I don't really enjoy it. If my, if I was like, I'm going to go try to help 
plant gardens in inner cities. My motivation to be significant would be there and then it would die because I'm yeah. not a gardener. Like I'm just, it, I'm, it's not something that I'm going to add value. Blessed with, no. It's no, it's not, it's not, I'm not going to add 10, be able to add 10 X value because my value that comes in there is 0.0001. So 10 X in that situation yeah. would be zero where, versus, versus I love building, building small businesses. Right. So like if maybe my, my significance is helping helping people get their small businesses off the ground, having, helping them set up their LLC, learning how to do social media marketing, learning all of that stuff. Right. Right. Like that would be something I could do forever. Yeah. So it's, you need to know you and you need to put in that halftime work to yeah. get there. Well, let's wrap it up with the, uh, so it's five points to, uh, moving from trying to be successful to thriving and being significant. You know, point one is be genuine. You know, just have a desire to be genuine with others comes across as, you know, as being more heartfelt. So if what we do only comes from our head, it can easily be seen as a motive based and most likely be questioned. Um, number two, authenticity matters. Successful people just try and there's nothing wrong with trying, but significant people are so in quote are meaning that they are truly themselves. So being our authentic selves allow for security and transparency and people can tell uh number three is you know live intentionally with purpose um, attaching purpose with intentionality can come across as manipulation if it doesn't if it's not done with extreme care but intentional care with focused purpose makes moments significant number four never underestimate the simple things uh, significant means something is weighty and highly meaningful but if we ignore the simple things included in the weight of life, we might be seen as inauthentic. Know that everyday things are embedded in significance and making the simple a priority can change the game. And lastly, be consistently present. So availability cannot be understated. So being the person that can be counted on to pick up the phone. So like the 3 a.m. friend versus the 6 p.m. friend. Uh, be at your desk, answer the text, lean in or listen to somebody is invaluable and sets us apart from those who have agendas or are just trying to project care that's not real. So there's a roadmap to significance. And I posted a, a reel um, the other day. It's, you know, significance is a journey. And like this quote is, the man who loves walking will walk further than the man who just loves a destination. And when you learn to love the journey, the process, the goals, just happen, you know, the mile markers just happen. They're just a side effect. Um, you act like, you know, you've been in the end zone versus, you know, every time you reach a milestone, you need to post it for everybody to, you know, be impressed with you. So that's what I have for that. I think that's perfect. I think that's, a, that's an amazing wrap guys. Go out there, figure out what your gift is and just start giving it. Yeah. Be authentic. 